We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Welcome in. It is Monday morning. And man, what a fun week of football. Probably one of the better weeks of football of the year. And now we start to get the sadness that is the trickle down of the games. Only three meaningful football games left until Broncos fan can flush the season down the drain, but football fans in general can go into hibernation and start, you know, getting ready for the pastime and starting planning their summer activities and Monday morning is Broncos for breakfast time. Nick Kendall joined by Scott. Scott, did you have a good weekend? I did have a good weekend. Enjoyed watching some football. Um, like I, I said earlier, we've already been on on air doing a d- different show. I'm done betting against the Bengals. Yeah, done. I'm done. <laughs> Flat out. They, Joe Burrow, man. I'm I'm like oh for four on picking them, and I've picked against them in each round last year. I picked them last week. That doesn't count. Um, mm. I picked against them every every week last last year. Picked against them against the Bills in Buffalo. I'm done. the The Bengals are legit. They're for real, and they're getting better too. They're getting better. Yeah, Jamar Chase is unbelievable. Joe Burrow is unbelievable. T Higgins is probably the best, maybe one of the best number twos. I mean, there's some good number twos out there as well. I I'm really hoping T Higgins finds his way back in Jacksonville and he pairs back up with uh, not back in Jacksonville, but back with Trevor Lawrence. But I digress. Fun week. We're going to have Cincinnati at the Chiefs again for a rematch of last year's AFC championship game. And then uh, 49ers at Eagles. Uh, So good week of football and does have some impact on the Broncos head coaching search. But first, let's say hello to some people coming in. We got Michael Ronquillo coming in out there in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Good morning to you, Michael. He says, good morning, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos with the hearts. We got Jeremy Sean saying, Scott, keep picking against them for one more week. Yeah, let's let's keep the jinx going. Oh, I know. I know the worst thing I could do to you is pick, is pick you to win. That's the uh, it's it's hard to like think the world doesn't revolve around you when you're like 100% either right or wrong every time. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to be superstitious. Yeah. 100%. I mean, that's I'm what am I own 7 in Broncos games? It's like <laughs> I know I'm too smart to know that I have any impact on that, but like Come on, what's going on? <laughs> Kevin Gray, good morning, Broncos country, Nick and Scott. I don't know what to think about Jim Caldwell. I would prefer Sean Payton. We should know by Thursday, Denver Broncos for life. I'm guessing today we're going to get an idea about the finalists for the interviews. And uh, at some point, Scott and I will break it down. Uh, kind of our final guess here of who the finalists will be. Uh, we got the DWI guys coming in saying, good afternoon, gents in Broncos country. Only one interview needed. Get Sean Payton here ASAP. We'll see what happens. I think he's going to be first lined up. Dave Glassman with the hearts. Good to see you. Uh, we also got our guy Colin Wood saying, we gave up so much to get Russ that I just can't see up giving any more draft choices for a coach. 
Go ahead, Scott. Side this jar. Whole first discussion off. is just wearing me out. I mean, yeah. it really is. You know, y'all know I'm in here every day. Yeah, we do multiple shows a week, so I'm in here in this discussion. How many morning shows do we have now? Monday, Three. Tuesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, eleven shows. The the draft pick for a coach just because it's a different way of doing business doesn't mean it's the wrong way of doing business. Okay. Yeah. When we talk about, we start talking about the idea of giving up a draft pick. You know, I mean, I saw a comment last night before we went on. I'm like, this is the problem I have, Nick. The comment was, well, if we hire this guy, we'll we'll probably suck, but at least we'll still have our draft picks. What are you doing here? What's What are you trying to do? Yeah. Are you trying to win or not? Well, we'll be a bad team, but we got draft picks. Who cares? Especially if the Niners no. keep on winning. I mean, that's going to be pick 29 or 30, 28, 29 or 30 now. Or if, right if I go now. to, I, I look it up all the time for talking about, you know, how New Orleans was before and where the Falcons are, where the Lions are, where the Tampa Bay is, where these teams are and where their winning percentage is. You know what teams in the bottom third winning percentage of NFL history have in common? A bleep ton of high draft picks. Lots of them. You yeah. know what else they have in common? Bad coaching, bad administration, bad ownership. The draft picks are secondary to those things. If you don't have the coaching, you should know this better than anyone. It doesn't matter who you draft. It doesn't matter. So Unless, unless yes, you hit on a guy quarterback. Yeah. There I, is a line. I there agree with you. There is a line where you can give up too much. Obviously, there's a line. Mm -hmm. It's not binary, but this whole discussion of, I don't want to give up any draft picks to get the right coach. Now you may not think Sean Payton's a good coach. That's one thing. Then tell me, then talk to me about that. Talk to me about, I don't want him as a coach because throw the draft picks out the window, because guess what you've been doing for the last six years, throwing the draft picks out the window. You've been wasting them. Nick, we had this discussion about Pat Sertan. Mm. Fired up now. The coffee is hitting full stream. Thank you. You were talking about the value of a corner. Pat Sertan will never be as valuable from a cost play perspective as he was this year. Never. No. He was he an be. all pro in the second year of a rookie contract. You've got one more season of him being cheap. Two more seasons of him being cheap. Two. His fifth year option is going to escalate wildly. Yeah. He's going to go from $3 million to $12 million. After that, he's going to be $20 million. He Maybe will more. never be as valuable as he was this year. You've yep. won 12 games with him. The coaching, we talk about it all the time. Coaching, 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 but we don't believe it. I'd rather have the draft pick. Oh, I'm worn out. I'm, it is. It's wearing me out. Okay, let's pivot on this conversation a little bit. Um, I feel you, Scott. <laughs> We're going to get some news here soon. Um, it's a lot to talk about. Uh, but... I agree with you in general. Let's say the Broncos are the first overall draft pick this cycle. Would you give up number one overall for Sean Payton? Depends on who's there. In, in this draft, maybe. Maybe. You could probably trade out of that and then end up getting yeah. trading one of those picks that you get from that. I'm guessing one if, overall if probably I, more if valuable. I had a, if I had, and, and the term generational gets used way, way too often. Mm -hmm. If Trevor Lawrence is there, probably not. Okay? If I've got big questions about Bryce Young see, in this draft, probably I would probably rather have Sean Payton than anybody in this draft class. Probably. Interesting. 
the coach that you're going to have for 10 to 15 years is much more important than all but a dozen picks in the history of this game. Yeah. God, it's killing me. <laughs> I'll push back a little bit because Sean Payton coming here and being amazing is not a guarantee. There are no exactly. guarantees. Like I said, if you want to talk yeah. about, I don't want Sean Payton because we can have that discussion. Yeah. But I'm, I'm operating under, people are operating under the, under the, when they're making this statement, it's about, I don't want to give up this for any coach, for a coach, which is ridiculous. Yeah. You've I wish been Mike getting Tomlin your was draft picks for the last six years. Yeah. All you're doing is losing and then trading them away for more draft picks. It's insanity. I will say that if the Broncos do not end up with Sean Payton, you will hear from a lot of people that the Broncos, it wasn't worth it to give up the draft capital. Again, after, there's a line. But there's, after there they miss out line. on Sean Payton. That I agree with you, there is a line. I, like, I don't want to give up 2024 first because right now the Russell Wilson question still lingers, even though we have better feelings about how he played down the stretch. Uh, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Still questions with that one. I don't want to give it a 2024 first, but I will say we are going to definitely hear from people covering the Broncos and connected to the team that if they don't get Sean Payton, a compensation package was too much and we'll all lap it up. Oh, good. Good. It was too much. I don't want to give up. Draft I picks. So. I'd rather get the wrong guy and keep losing because, hey, yeah. we've got our draft picks. Um, Adam, <laughs> I have to sit in the background of I'm on three shows out of the 11. I have to sit in the background on eight of these. And sometimes I'll jump in and type, but I don't want to take away from the show. So I have to sit back there. It's why I don't listen to sports talk radio. If I can't weigh in and correct some of these things, I just get frustrated. So this <laughs> is eight out of 11 shows a week that I have to sit back there and go, my God, people, where are your priorities? 
That's why they paired Scott with me, because uh, if he was sitting on the back on all my shows, he'd be jumping out of his skin. But he can correct and jump in and correct me uh, much more. He needs to. Gary Palmer coming in 1999. Thank you so much, Gary. Good to see you. Good morning, Nick and Scott. You said it, Scott. Timber Broncos for life. Well, thank you so much, Gary. And you said it with the uh, support in there, keeping the lights on on these Monday morning shows. And if you guys aren't like Gary Palmer, where you can come in and be very gracious with that 1999 super on Facebook or YouTube, click the thumbs up. Uh, it's cheap. It takes one second to do. We appreciate the interaction. Obviously we want to earn those thumbs up, but we got more viewers in here than thumbs up by a big margin. Uh, click, click the thumbs up. It helps a lot. Bradley Conger coming in saying, good morning, Broncos country. Can we put the Dan Quinn head coach possibly possibility to rest now? Scott with the Cowboys losing yesterday, to the 49ers, I'm going to argue that actually the chances of Dan Quinn being the next head coach for the Broncos increased and increased rather dramatically. I think if the Cowboys were moving on and Dan Quinn had to focus on the task at hand rather than the secondary interview, he would uh, probably be more less likely to be hired. But now that he's out, he can focus on that. I think it'd be pretty shocking if the Broncos brought him, didn't bring him in for a second interview, especially given he wasn't the reason that that team lost yesterday. That Cowboys defense was playing well now. Yes, did have some boneheaded penalties. Yes, uh, Trevon Diggs uh, dropped a interception that would have changed the course of the game. It was the one I think I think he dropped it in the red zone, and it was the same drive that the 49ers scored their go-ahead touchdown. That I mean, tie game there. Uh, but um, what do you think about Dan Quinn and the impact of this Cowboys versus 49ers game? The impact of the game, you know, again, I I think Dan Quinn's candidacy has done nothing but increase mm -hmm. over the course of the playoffs. Um, and part of it for me is the defense has played well. Okay, they, they've been playing well the last couple of years. The other part of it is you look at the impact he has on all the players. I mean, there's a there was a video going around Twitter where you know he's he's just inside the stadium, you know, where people come in on their way to the locker room, and he's standing there, and every one of the players going by him, offense, defense, are giving him these giant bear hugs. I'm like, you know, that's a and is he the good, is he the right guy to be good cop while someone else plays bad cop? You know, is that it, Nick, you know, where you've got your head coach is, you know, the mean old coach Boone from, you know, from remember the Titans and, you know, you've got your guy to love him up afterwards. That's a, that's a real thing. I mean, yeah. you, you've got to have that dynamic. Sugar and spice. You've got to have somebody in there that's willing to drop the hammer. And then that's someone that is, we love this guy and it's, you can't be both. But watching the way his players respond to him, offense or defense, knowing that he did a good job in Atlanta despite his shortcomings, which are correctable through experience. Yes, you hope these guys learn something and move on. I think Dan Quinn is a very good candidate. That said, I love Dan Quinn the person. I really do. And I'm in here again every day of the week, sometimes twice, and no one in here wants Dan Quinn. I don't want to see someone I really like be torn apart by another group of people I really like. It's kind of like when Christian Pulisic went to Chelsea. You know, my favorite American player goes to my favorite team. That's an uncomfortable situation for me. So I don't necessarily want to see Dan Quinn come to Denver because the, uh, the, the there's still a good chance that he could fail. They all do eventually. Yeah. And nobody wants him here. I don't want that for him. I don't. I'd rather see him get promoted in Dallas where they love him. Yeah. And I will say for Dan Quinn, for myself speaking, my vitriol <laughs> comes from uh, being peed on and told it's rain uh, from Dan Quinn being the same caliber coaching candidate as Jim Harbaugh or uh, Sean Payton. That's just a lie. Uh, that's bull baloney. Um, don't tell me that. Now, if you don't miss out on those two guys and Dan Quinn's the one that is the next best one. Sure. 
but the fact that you said you're going for this big swing and now that after, oh, we might not get Jim Harbaugh, we might not get Sean Payton. Oh, but also this big swing that is uh, Dan Quinn. No, but baloney. Yeah, they're not going to say they missed, but if you're swinging at Sean Payton, you're swinging at Joe, those are big swings. You know, yes. how do you sell that? Don't don't sell me that Dan Quinn was your big swing. Dan Quinn was a good fallback option. Very the good. Big swing was Harbaugh or, Pay- or, 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 or Payton. And if you missed, you missed. Mm-hmm. But at least you went after him. Yep. You know, they have a choice in this too, right? Yep. Epic Gamer coming in $10. Epic Gamer has been coming in supporting us consistently here as of late. So we appreciate you, Epic Gamer. More like the Epic Contributor uh, saying couldn't be more happy that the Cowboys lost. Yeah, happy to see the Cowboys lose. It is bittersweet because the Broncos' first-round draft pick that they currently own gets further pushed down. It's pretty <laughs> frustrating to see that every time the Broncos have a team's high first-round pick, that team seems to just all of a sudden turn on a switch and go on an absolute tear. Uh, saw it last year with the Rams. Seen it this year with the uh, with the 49ers, but it is what it is. Patrick coming in saying, got to go for now. Surgery time. I will watch afterwards. Well, Patrick, we appreciate you coming in and saying hello. Good luck to you, and uh, I'm sure it will be all fine. I know you're going to be on the... Uh, injury list to here for a bit, but we got plenty of football coverage to tide you over and some uh, good content and games uh, yet to come. So good luck, Patrick. Yeah. We'll be thinking of you. May that knee surgery be as routine as it's supposed to be and look forward to a good recovery and yeah. hopefully have plenty of time to, uh, to join us in the chat. So appreciate everything you do for the show, Patrick, and, and God bless. Absolutely. Out there, um, out there in Hawaii, out there in Oahu. We appreciate you. We also got Bama X coming in saying good morning and happy Monday Broncos country. Good to see you, Bama X. We appreciate you. I see that Deanna Hendry is also coming in. I'm going to lose my place here in the chat, but that's okay. Cause we want to say hello to Deanna Hendry. Oh, oh go ahead, I, was, Scott. I was sitting, I, I was waiting for Deanna as you were working your way down. Uh, Deanna comes in and says, morning, Nick and Scott. I agree with you, Scott. I'm hoping we get Sean Payton. Hopefully hear who they choose soon. We should get the finalist here. I think today I'd be shocked if we didn't get the uh, list of the finalists. Now I am curious, is the finalist going to be, are we going to get everybody that's announced as a finalist or is it going to be one at a time uh, that we're announcing the finalists? Cause I have a suspicion that everything, I mean the whole we've heard, I think Schefter mentioned yesterday, everything revolves around Sean Payton and what happens with Sean Payton. Then the rest of the positions will probably fill out for the Broncos with this head coaching interview. Mike Kliss said it, we could have one to three interviews for this final candidacy. Four, maybe four, but five. Yeah, keep adding it up. Um, <laughs> but I think it'll probably be one of three. But I'm thinking, we're not going to list, okay, the Broncos' final three candidates are X, Y, and Z. No, I think it's, mm-hmm. we're bringing in Sean Payton, and if Sean Payton says yes, we brought in our one person. If Sean Payton says no, then we're going to see two and three after that. Uh, so I don't think we're going to get the announcement of the finalists. I think it's a, Sean, yes, no? Okay, then the final two candidates. Yeah, we're operating under the assumption that they're going to choose you if you offer them. Yeah. That's a, that's a very narrow minded, frankly, arrogant assumption. They might not. Yeah. So these, every single one of these guys you're bringing in are interviewing other places too. So again, last year, Denver, I felt really had their choice. It just felt that way. Uh, Mm -hmm. It felt like everybody was kind of waiting on what the Broncos were going to do this year. Maybe not so much. Maybe not so much. Maybe it's a it's a little different where some guys are like, maybe I want to take a look at, at some of the some of these other open positions. So again, one to three. It, it, people say could be, and and all of a sudden it's reported as fact. Oh, well, there's gonna be three finalists. That's what Cliss said. Cliss said maybe, might, could be, would be, should be. It could end up being four, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean. I would definitely bring in D'Amico Ryans. Maybe D'Amico Ryans wasn't available at the time, and now he is. So the thing is, nobody at Dove Valley is talking. 
they're not going to show their hands on this thing because one, they don't want to tip their hands for several reasons. The least of which is we don't want to be seen like we got our fifth choice. Yeah. You know, they're not going to make an offer to a guy unless they think he's going to accept it. Yeah. You know, it's, they're going to offer one officially and he's going to take it. And we got our guy all along. A hundred percent. Just like in the draft, you know, we always got the number one guy on our board and more like uh, recruiting. Yeah. You know, more like recruiting where they stand up on signing day and say, oh, we got all of our targets. We got this guy, this guy, and this guy. And then all the fans are calling me an idiot because I ranked their class low. What do you expect them to say? It's not a, it's not a, it's not a scouting contest. It's a recruiting contest. Yeah. You know, they didn't go after that guy because I knew they couldn't get him. 100%. Unless you're in Colorado and you offer everybody, but you're getting some guys these days. Alejandro coming in saying, good morning. Who do you all think will get the job? My gut still says it's going to be Dan Quinn, but a lot of people are saying Sean Payton. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe I'm guarding myself because Sean Payton's the guy who I'd like the most out of this cycle. Uh, as long as you're not giving up the 2024 first, just I, I do have to align there. I'd rather give up the year one and both threes this year rather than giving up the 2024 first. Uh, but uh, we'll see. What do you think, Scott? I mean, we could save that for the end of the show. Any issues, your head and heart and gut change at all? I don't, I don't know. It just, it feels to me like things are lining up. Okay. For Sean Payton. Mm -hmm. If it he does. takes the job, I think they've had an agreement in principle with the saints or they wouldn't have gone through the interview process. He's coming in for a second interview, stable ownership, which they've, you know, I mean, I, I don't believe everything in what they say, but again, I've talked about this before, you know, quarterback, this quarterback, that, and in that interview, Colin Coward said, or the, the two most important factors, you know, leading the witness, like you like to say, Nick, is ownership and the quarterback, right? And, you know, Sean Payton was like, you know, yeah, but ownership is much more important because, you know, the quarterback's fairly interchangeable. Russ, as your quarterback, is basically a one-year guarantee. This is a long-term, this could be a long-term project. Um, you know, I, Colin may have asked, I'm not sure who it was, but, you know, how many coaches you get for 10 to 15 years? Well, hopefully that's what you're doing. And the New Orleans Saints got Sean Payton for 15 years. And I promise you, they were in worse situation when they hired Sean, Sean Payton than the Denver Broncos are now. I promise you. Promise you. One of the worst, if not the worst franchise in the NFL. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I grew up in Atlanta. It's a big rival. I, I say that I'm biased. It doesn't mean I'm wrong. If they're not worse, they're, they're bottom three, along with the Falcons, Buccaneers, Lions, Browns. <laughs> they're, they're in there. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like I feel like it's it's going towards Peyton. I, I feel like it's it's gonna work out. And well, I hope I hope it does for I hope it does for Broncos country because he's a hell of a coach and you're gonna see improvement right away. Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. Yeah. Talk about a draft pick. That's one player. He's going to make 53 guys better. And he's somebody who can hold Russell Wilson accountable. And I think Russell Wilson would have buy-in as well. Sean Payton comes in and says, this is what I think you do well at. I think Russell Wilson's going to click his heels and say, yes, sir. Um, I don't think there's going to be any other way around it. He, he's coached him at the Pro Bowl. They know each other. And Sean Payton has the ability to say, yeah, to lead him for one. And the other thing, he'll have the clout to say, if you don't like it, GTF, yeah. you're gone. I'll yep. if you want to, if you want to do it your way, fine, go do it your way over with the practice squad. Yep. 
and he'll have the backing from the ownership who hired him. Yep. He will have Greg Penner's backing to do this and do the things that he wants to do his way. Now, if your argument is, I don't like the way he does things, I'm listening. I am. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a different conversation than I don't want to give up a player for, you know, which is a draft pick. All it is is a player. I don't want to give up a player for for a coach who could make 53 other players better. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having that. Not anymore. Phillip's coming in. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you, Philip. Darius saying good morning, folks. Hoping we have a new head coach by Thursday. The rumors are exhausting. Well, don't worry. We have uh, free agents rumors just around the corner here. Oh, sorry, Scott. You'll know real quick because string guy, I wasn't going to call you out. (laughs) But yes, before the chat started, it was your comment yesterday. Uh, I appreciate you owning up to this. He says it wasn't it wasn't intended as I'm just sick of this coaching discussion. And, and, And as you could tell, I am too, and it's not so much the discussion, but also the way everybody's turning on each other in the chat. You know, there's negatives around all of these, and just because you support one guy over another doesn't make your point bad. You know, uh, you're you're a moron to think Sean Payton, he's done this, he's done this, so you're a moron. D'Amico Ryan's only has two years in the league, you're a moron. Dan Quinn always loses this, you're a moron. I'm I'm fed up. I am. Um, Once you accept so yes, that everybody's a moron, I, mean, I don't love you. But the way you put it in, in your chat was basically, if we hire Rosberg, we'll suck, but at least we'll have our pick. And it just, you saw what it did to me. <laughs> you just have to accept that everybody's a moron. I am a moron. Scott's a moron. He, she, they, moron. Uh, once we come down to that level, you know, know that we know nothing, uh, then we're good. Um, fine training draft pick for him, says Sting Guy. Well, that's good to hear. And I think the Broncos are as well. Otherwise, they wouldn't be this far down the interview cycle. Jason O'Neill saying, good morning. This isn't Broncos related, but I was curious. You guys thought the Bills would blow up the team after another disappointing playoff effort. Thoughts on Sean Payton? I think the Bills could blow it up somewhat. Uh, They're a team that is, they got some contracts they're going to have to reckon with. Also, I'm curious to see what happens with the offensive staff. Um, I'm probably a little bit, I don't see Sean McDermott throwing this their offensive staff away, but definitely a step down after they lost Brian Dable last year. So curious and thoughts on Sean Payton. If the Broncos can get him, he'd be great. I don't think his style of play that he used with uh, Drew Brees would work with Russell Wilson, but Sean Payton, I think, would know that as well and uh, change what he does. And he's worked with Teddy Bridgewater, granted, very small sample size, worked with James um, uh, James Winston. I do hope that he's not interested in bringing Taysom Hill to Denver. I don't know. That's one thing. Not we on that about. contract, for God's sakes. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> Crazy. No, I mean, Taysom Hill is a gadget player who was getting, yeah. you know, top-tier quarterback money. But, again, 22 games – since you know in the last four years or so with Jameis Winston who was an enigma in in Tampa kind of a Drew Locke so to speak with you know much more with with Drew Locke plus you know throws for 40 touchdowns 35 interceptions 5,000 yards decision making comes in and wins and, and wins big with New Orleans before getting hurt Teddy Bridgewater after be after he tore up his knee horribly in Minnesota, was mid-level at best starter, probably best as a veteran backup type. Um, and Taysom Hill, gadget quarterback. With those three starting in 22 games, that's a decent sample size. 17 and five. That's pretty damn 17 good. 17 and five. Yeah. That did more for Sean Payton than than Drew Brees, you know, than just Drew Brees. So it's been he, he he should have given uh he should have gotten a cut of the Carolina Panthers contract to Teddy Bridgewater because 
That's 60 million contracts. About 40 million of that was Sean Payton. Yeah, very good for Sean. And we also got Ernie coming in saying, hello, Nick and Scott, Broncos country only. Well, we got Wednesday's shows now with Coast to Coast football that we're doing more drafting NFL stuff in general. So <laughs> don't hang out with us then, Ernie. Otherwise, it's not going to be Broncos only, but we appreciate you coming in. Mark Linden mode coming in. Howdy, Nick and Scott in Broncos country. The best Broncos for breakfast hosts. I, we're the only Broncos for breakfast hosts, but uh, we appreciate you so much um, coming in. We got Clinton Watson coming in with the super sticker. Thank you so much, Clinton. Happy Monday to you. Uh, hope you're doing well. Hope that coffee is kicking in and you're uh, joining, uh, enjoying yourself. And uh, have a good week. It's going to be a interesting week this week. It's the first. I always hate to. I had Monday off last week, Martin Luther King Day, working for a research institute, et cetera, et cetera. But Full full week this week. It's going to be a long one. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about that. But thank you so much, Clinton. Greg Smith, top of the morning to you. Good to see you, Craig. Always appreciate you coming in and uh, supporting us and saying hello. Hope things are going well. I know that you uh, lost your mother recently. Been in my thoughts. And uh, hope that uh, service and everything like that went went well and uh, holidays weren't too rough for you. So, so um, absolutely, Greg, appreciate you being in here and, and, you know, being a friend to the rest of the community. I see the way you comment yeah. to everybody else, too. It's 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 a big part of what makes this group very special to us. Uh, Adam comes in on Facebook, he says, if we get a defensive coach, we might as well have kept Fangio. I thought the whole point was to get an offensive mind to fix Russ. Not necessarily. I don't think necessarily it was defense. I just think that Fangio wasn't the right guy. Um he was more of a, I don't know how many of you are close enough to my age to remember uh, Buddy Ryan. You know, he was he was so defense that he that actually start fight, he actually started a fight with his own offensive coordinator on the sidelines. But he'd take it to an us versus them mentality. He was a defensive coach that needed to stay a defensive coach. Yeah. Whereas D'Amico Ryan's, Dan Quinn, those are very, very different personalities. Those yeah. are those are leaders. Those are, they're interested in the whole and not just the, the, their side of the ball. He's an old curmudgeon defensive coach. It needs to be a defensive coach, not be in charge of an entire program. Yeah. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. CC coming in with some news and I just verified it on Twitter. So Jeff Duncan, uh, who's somebody who's been, he wrote a Sean Payton Drew Brees book out there and works for a uh, NOLA.com uh, covering all Louisiana football aspects. And he says that, uh, just reported that Sean Payton is scheduled for a second interview in Denver on Wednesday. So there's your domino number one, as far as your second round of coaches, uh, Sean Payton, the Broncos originally flew out to Los Angeles and interviewed him and Raheem Morris, both in Los Angeles in the same hotel, one after the other. Now we have Sean Payton coming to Denver on Wednesday. I believe Sean Payton's also meeting with Carolina today uh, out there. I know that Carolina has gotten trouble with some sort of interview process with Sean Payton, but, uh, Either way, um, some breaking news there confirmed. Uh, thank you for the heads up on that, CC. We appreciate you because when things go live, kind of hard to hang out with you guys, read the chat, and keep up on the the breaking news. Um, but uh, so that's some breaking news, I guess. Sean Payton is going to be interviewing with the Broncos in Denver on Wednesday. There's your first of the second round of interview candidates. As expected. Yeah. After that, it becomes a little bit more of a question. Is it David Shaw? Is he really one of the three finalists? That, that still strikes me as a little odd. Um Again, I, I would think I would pencil Dan Quinn in. He should he should be one of those guys. I would absolutely have D'Amico Ryan's. I don't know if it's going to be him. Uh, Jim Caldwell to me. So, what is Jim Caldwell to you? You know, give me give me three words to sum up his candidacy. Iowa Hawkeye legend. No, um, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> underrated is one word. 
unjust unjustified maybe is that, i don't know if that's a word because how he's fired in detroit was not great and uh solid i think that's the ones i would use so obviously three winning seasons with the detroit out of four he did have matt stafford and calvin johnson but that's still quite impressive and then to get fired after that to go to the matt Patricia era in Detroit. What a laughable um, turn of events for that Detroit franchise. Uh, the thing that holds me up about Jim Caldwell some is that he has been out of the league for three, four years and how drastic defense offenses have changed. I mean, the usage of the RPOs, uh, the type of um, defenses that we're seeing in today's NFL. I mean, just three, four years ago, everybody was playing static cover three um, and trying to be Gus Bradley and play cover three every damn snap until you got to your third down where you could play some cover one kind of stuff. And the NFL has gone away from that drastically uh teams are not doing that so much anymore so i'm curious what his answers would be to what defenses are playing like today uh but i think he's a very good coach and he was done wrong uh getting fired after jim uh after peyton manning got injured and his quarterbacks were like jim sorgi and like curtis painter no duh uh, and that team was actively tanking for andrew luck don't tell me any uh don't tell me otherwise so i think that unjustified uh firing and an underrated coach. I'd be happy if he got a second interview. I think he deserves it. I think it is under, uh, for me, my initial thought is short term, Mm. you know, just based on age. It's like, listen, we've got a roster that we think can still win games. Um, We want to, again, I I mentioned that the, the getting the one player versus the 53 one, we want the guys we have, we want all 53 playing better. If you can do yeah. that in this window, great. You're our guy. Come in and give us three years, and you'll make $50 million. Yeah. Um, if it flops, we'll pay you off anyway. Thank you. And we'll say thank you, but we, you know, this is the rebuild. We love him. We'll give you a, a member on the staff where you get to stay in and say you're going to go into the front office with us. You know, just to save, save face is the wrong word, but it's a short-term thing. And if it doesn't, we're going to blow the whole damn thing up. And we're going to do it with a coach that's 70 years old and put him in the front office to say thank you for coming in and being part of this project because we really respect you. Yeah. So for me, it just screams short term. We didn't get really get, we didn't get our guy. We swung big. We didn't get our guy, but we got a good guy for the short mm-hmm. term until the right guy comes back around. And we will be respectful to Jim Caldwell and not Houston Texans, the guy, and fire him outright after 12 months. That's what I would hope and expect mm-hmm. from this ownership when you've got the resources to do that. Yeah, I agree. Um, he'd be a fine co- coaching candidate. I put him in the same. I think it's Sean Payton's number one for me right now. Just I had Jim Harbaugh and Sean Payton. Well, now Jim Harbaugh's out. Sean Payton stands alone on that tier. After that, if you wanted to really, you know, sing praises for David Shaw, who I guess I'm higher on than you are, Scott. I've been always impressed with what David Shaw's done, which is fine. I think Dan Quinn's a quality candidate as well. He, I'd be fine with him. And then you have Jim Caldwell and D'Amico Ryans. I love D'Amico. I love the energy he brings. I like that he's a first-time head coach. I like his – he's only coached for four years. I don't care, uh, honestly. If, as long as he can bring in a good staff around him, I think he's an ascending superstar uh, level of coach. So I'd be fine with that. Um, but any of those guys I listed, I'd be okay with. Raheem Morris, I – going to be honest i don't have as a good a feel on him i'm uh, also he's more of the he's very blitz happy and good with his pressure packages but he's very <laughs> cover three centric in his defenses which i don't always love uh but good candidate as well and am i missing any oh jerry rosberg also the broncos didn't have an official interview with jerry rosberg but yeah uh, he 
much like his press conferences, his quick meeting turned into a long meeting and somewhat of a pitch of a chance to uh, maybe coach next year. Uh, I'd say the same thing. If it's if it's Jerry Rossberg, it's a one year deal. We missed. It just screams to me we missed on the the guys we wanted. We'll see you next cycle with Rossberg, especially. But G Spencer comes in. <clears throat> he says, you know, a defensive a defensive coach to fix a quarterback with a confidence problem that seems like a defeated approach. Um, and Adam mentioned the same thing. You know, why bring in a defensive guy? I thought the whole idea was to fix Russ. The whole idea for me isn't to fix Russ, and I don't necessarily think he has to be broken. The for me is who's the guy that can lead 53 and then bring in the right staff around him. So you still have an offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, new offensive line coach. You got a whole new offensive staff to come in to fix Russ. All of that would be better. I've got the general manager to come in and invest picks into the offensive line and free agents money into the interior offensive line. I've got a zillion ways to make this offensive better. I need somebody in charge that's going to make everybody better. If that's a defensive guy, so it, so be it. If it's an offensive guy, so be it. Dan Quinn was a defensive guy in Atlanta who had awful defenses because the general manager didn't put any resources into the defense at all. They had fantastic offenses because all of the resources went into offense. I need some balance. I need the right guy in charge. Who's that going to be? Yeah, I'm... Obviously, fixing Russ and getting him playing well and confidence is big, but this head coaching hire is bigger than the current roster, and I would not sell it to any coach that you are 100% tied to Russell Wilson. Your fate is tied to Russell Wilson. If anyone's fate is tied to Russell Wilson, it's George Payton. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the new coach coming in, it's a, listen, if you get him right, God bless you. We'd love that. We made this investment, and we have a, believe, still quality or a chance to be a quality quarterback here in Russell Wilson, even though he had a down year this year, but we think with the right coaching staff um, building around him, the way that he wins, he can still be a good enough quarterback uh, to win in this league. And I think we saw flashes of that down the stretch with that more power centric play action centric vertical pass game where it's not, you know, dropping back and throwing it 50 times, but rather, you know, 20 to 30 somewhere between the lower end to the average of pass attempts. You can win that way uh, with Russ. I still believe that, but uh you got to see it. We got to see it to believe it. Mark Lindemode coming in saying, what do you guys think about uh, the S and the C guy? Is that being addressed? Is he talking about the safety and the center? Um, I'm not sure exactly what Mark conditioning. Duh. Okay. Um, I would be shocked if the Broncos didn't bring in somebody new in that department. I'm guessing they probably also want to hear what these head coaches have on this uh, as well, especially if this head coach brings in other uh, people in the front office, but Broncos are definitely looking to, I know they've flew out and met with multiple people as far as the uh, sports sciences. And it's something that I think they're going to address this offseason. I know that the Broncos current strength and conditioning nutritionist uh, guy is highly respected in terms of the overall sports, but Broncos results have been pretty for, pretty poor. This is an area I've been advocating the Broncos ownership with their rich, where there's no limits on their money in terms of expenditures. Spend big on the sports nutrition, health sciences, et cetera, et cetera. Get an advantage there and try to fix what's been ailing the Broncos these last few years with just in a crazy amount of injuries. And Mark, I think this this happens after you get your coach. Okay. So yeah. you don't bring in this, you don't bring in the staff for the coach. I mean, again, a strength and conditioning cap staff can be independent of the coach. Let's start at the top and work our way down. So until you've got your coach in place. I'm not surprised that we're not hearing anything about the strength and conditioning right now because the focus is on the top. Mm-hmm. After that, work our way down, including strength and conditioning, and I expect there to be changes. Yeah. We got Ryan Thompson saying, good morning, fellas in Broncos country. 
Good to see you, Ryan. Hope you're doing well. Happy Monday to you. Hope you have a, a great rest of your day. Uh, day. We have uh, MPAC coming in saying, do you guys anticipate they'll conduct a second interviews for top three candidates or possibly make an offer to Peyton on Wednesday? I could see it being, we don't hear about the next round of interviews until it gets there. Uh, and I'm not sure I saw somebody make a comment about D'Amico Ryan's not being able to interview this week because of the NFC championship game. I don't know what the rules are as far as if he's not allowed because of that um, or if he's denying them. I know that he also canceled two of his four interviews for head coaching so far. I think he had interviews lined up with the Colts and the Cardinals and he rescinded those uh, invites. Instead Colts are like his- up to 15 interviews. You know, it's the Colts. Oh yeah. The Colts are up to like 15 interviews. At some point I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm out. You know, <laughs> um, I, I don't blame him for that. And, and originally D'Amico Ryan's for me was, um, he, he still might be the guy. Um, I know you were talking about Peyton, but Peyton was never, the Colts were never linked with any of the big names, really. Not even Jim Harbaugh to a certain yeah. extent. Makes me wonder if it's just going to end up being Jeff Saturday. Go right, through it's a, a big 15 show. interview horse and pony show and just hire Saturday <laughs> would be a very Jim Irsay thing to do. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> we looked at all these candidates and we still thought Jim, Jeff Saturday was the best one. Um, but uh, I definitely think it's a possibility that the Broncos first meet Peyton. And if they get something done, then that's it. If not, then you'll see them announce it one by one. Maybe even they like, liked uh, D'Amico Ryan's enough that they draw it out and you don't hear about that third interview until further down the line but uh, we'll see what happens here haven't heard very much about how any of the interviews went other than i heard that uh, david shaw's was impressive and i also heard that jim caldwell impressed from a couple uh people that i talked with on the team so um grant that's hearsay always will be but uh, is what it is i know shaw has been a head coach at stanford but that's very very different than being a head coach in the nfl and if we're talking about first timers again to me he's a first timer with limited NFL experience. That's one of the reasons I'm not as high on David Shaw as some of the others. Yeah. You know, it's a, again, people say, oh, well, you know, Nick Saban flopped in the NFL and Steve Spurrier flopped in the NFL and these guys all flopped in the NFL. That's because these guys are egomaniacs and they're used to being in charge of every aspect. They're used to being worshiped like gods. I mean, they can, a college guy can walk in and, and, and Nick Saban is like the governor of Alabama, maybe the South. He can do whatever he wants. He yeah. goes into the program and says, I want this guy out. I want her out. I want her in. I want this one out. I want this change. It gets done. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the NFL, the guys can turn around and say, you know, F you, I got a contract. <laughs> and they're like, man, I'm out of here. I don't need this. Um, yeah. He doesn't have head coaching experience. Raheem Morris does. Dan Quinn does. Jim Caldwell does. Those guys do when I'm talking about bringing in some of these other guys that I would have in before David Shaw. That's why I'm not as high on, on David Shaw. Yeah. I, it seems like he's an intelligent guy, still extremely young as well. Also was in the NFL for a number of years. Uh, so it's not like he's only been brought up in the college game and then is jumping up. Long it's been time, a while. Man. You know, you that? just went through with it. You just went through the changes that have happened in the four years since Jim Caldwell was a head coach. It's been yeah. like 20 years. Yeah. Since no, David I mean, but Shaw at least- was in the NFL. And, and we don't give these guys enough credit to adapt what they do. You know, well, he runs this. Well, they're football coaches. They're smart enough to see and make changes. Yeah. And if not, then they're not going to be at their position very long. Right. <laughs> Adapt or die. Uh, Tim Durr. Morning, fellas. What's good, Broncos country? You know, we're just hanging out. It's a good Monday. Um, I think we're going to probably wrap up here pretty soon. But I want to talk a little bit of uh, Daniel Jeremiah released his first mock draft 1.0. And happy to see a few 
Big Ten. I watch a lot of Big Ten West football. I know I'm a glutton for punishment, uh, but happy to see Devon Witherspoon and Lucas Van Ness from Illinois and Iowa getting picked in the top eight. And uh, the Broncos going in a direction that I've been hinting at for a bit that they should definitely consider taking edge rusher BJ Ojolari from LSU. Yes, folks, I know the Broncos need to go with offensive line. You've heard me say it on here if you followed me at all that uh, the Broncos need to fix their offensive line as much as they can before uh, the draft because. The way the draft is setting up this season, I'm not a big fan of any of the offensive linemen after the first three in terms of first-round caliber picks. Uh, we talked about it last week. Dane Brugler had the Broncos selecting uh, Cyrus or Torrance, who very big, very strong at the point of attack. He can't move really all that well. And if you're trying to use a screen game or outside zone, he'd be a bad fit, in my opinion. Also, he's not. if you're taking a in, pure interior offensive lineman round one, he better be David DeCastro kind of prospect to me, and he's not even close to that. So I uh, would not a big fan of Cyrus Torrance, the big three, uh, Peter Skaronsky, Broderick Jones, and Paris Johnson Jr. If any of them are there and you have your first round pick, fine with me. After that, though, I'm not sinking any of my picks on first round picks on an offensive lineman. That's the case here with Daniel Jeremiah. Again, he has BJ Ojolari going to the Broncos uh, edge rusher from LSU. He comes in and says about the pick 29 overall, which is a possibility says, First round is going to be heavy on edge rushers. Ojolari has a quick first step and active hands as a pass rusher. Broncos traded Bradley Chubb to Miami during the fall, and the LSU product would be a solid replacement. He's not a Bradley Chubb type one for one. He's honestly more of a twitchier, more versatile, much more refined Nick Benito in terms of his play style, more length as well. Uh, but um, I wouldn't be against using the first round pick at uh, edge rusher. Uh, just because the Broncos pass rush fell off a cliff uh, as the season progressed. And as we, you talked about in your last show, Scott, the Eagles have what 70 sacks this year. It's not because they have a miles Garrett. It's not because they have a TJ Watt. It's not because they have a Micah Parsons or a Nick Bosa. They have probably the deepest line in football and a, a lot of high invested resources on that unit. They can just rotate them constantly throw, throw waves at you. And I think that's a good way to be a good team in the NFL and the teams that are left essentially have that on the, uh, the NFC side of the ball. They've got their le their leading sacker was an outside linebacker edge, but they're running a four three, and so if you take sixteen sacks away that uh, Hassan Reddick had, you still have fifty four sacks, and almost all of those came from their front four. If I can get fifty sacks from my front four, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're in you're in big trouble. And yep. one of the questions was how many how many uh, you know teams are still around that have you know that had defensive minded head coaches. That's cyclical, and teams have always leaned towards offense anyway. Um, you know, you can always throw in the one of the exceptions and Bill Belichick in there, you know, to, mm -hmm. to start evening up the Super Bowls as a defensive guy. Nick Saban was a defensive guy. But the 49ers and Eagles also have the one and two defense in the league, you know. So mm -hmm. <laughs> you might have an offensive guy, but they're paying attention to the defense. Again, is it the right guy, and are you using your resources and hiring the right people around you? Now, you all know me. I've said it before. Problem with a defensive guy is if your offensive guy is good, he's getting hired as a head coach because offensive guys get plucked a lot. That's staff turnover that can be tough. That is one of the reasons why you want to go offense. Right now, I don't know that you have that luxury with the Denver Broncos. You, you want to get good. Doesn't you know? Don't don't let don't let great be in the way of being good right now. Um, so. You can you can get a good head coach on the defensive side of the ball. And again, Sean Payton's been my number one since we started this conversation. Yeah. 
he definitely was your number one. Also, real quick, I've been scrolling all the way to the top here, looking for the uh, the comment here. But our guy, uh, Dave Glassman, one of the first comments of the day with the hearts and the thumbs up. It's Dave's birthday. Um, so happy birthday to Dave. Always coming in and supporting the show. Hope you're doing well, and hopefully you have a, an excellent birthday. But uh, BJ Ojolari Scott, uh, some background on him. Uh, he's definitely has some work to do as far as setting the edge and could add some more power to his game. I don't think it's super comparable where – when I watch Nick Benito, it looks like he's a stand-up second-level linebacker trying to rush with how he runs. Ojolari at least gets some like bench press against some guys and some length <laughs> and can you know work uh, different moves. He's much more refined with his pass rush technique. I think he's got he's not as slippery as Benito is, but I think he's got more bend and ankle flexion around that arc and just a, just a better overall prospect. I mean, there's a reason that we're talking about him being a first-round pick compared to Benito's second, but I much, I think he projects much better uh, to the next level than Nick Benito. Well, and he'd be much farther ahead coming out of LSU than Oklahoma for yeah. you know what they, what they can do and what they're facing day in and day out. That's no offense to Oklahoma. It's just a different style of football for and now until Oklahoma style. gets in the yeah. SEC. You better be able to set an edge if yeah. you're going to play in the SEC West. That's for dang sure. So he's definitely got more experience that 6'3", 250. That sounds familiar. You know, is that big enough? That, that's Vaughn. That's Vaughn Miller. And he'll play bigger than that. He'll play 260 by the time he's done, assuming he weighs in in that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, come combine sign. And again, how do you not go offensive line there? If, it, if it's not the right offensive lineman, you don't go offensive line there. The yeah. worst thing you can do is reach. You know, we've come, we, we've come back from the senior bowl and pegged several guys that could be contributors on the offensive line that ended up starting we'll see if at tackle no hmm. less we'll see if we can do that again this year i go to where let's see i'll be down there what's today monday so yep. week from week from today i'm heading down there and we'll see if we can find some of those guys the bernard raymond spencer brown was the year before uh Braxton Braxton jones. jones uh abraham lucas there's four off the top of my head that ended up being pretty good tackles third round and beyond. I don't, don't reach. That's the worst thing you can do is reach. Yeah. And I know if there was guys there that I thought were quality, that quality of candidates, I'd be okay with it. I just don't see it this year. We'll have to have a conversation about uh, Darnell Wright, who I think is going to be down there and Anton Harrison, who won't be down there. Another name to keep an eye on down there is uh, Blake Freeland from BYU. Um, I wonder if he's too tall. He doesn't really have good knee bend when he plays, and I'm thinking leverage is going to be a huge issue for him given he's 6'8", 6'9". Uh, but Michael Ronquillo says, great show today, Nick and Scott and Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos. Go you, Michael. We appreciate you coming in. Uh, real quick, though, BJ Ojolari, one last thing here, and it's one of my favorite traditions in – one of my favorite little kind of insider baseball traditions in college football. He was voted the number 18 player on that LSU team. And for those of you that don't know, uh, LSU's players vote for a player who shows exemplary character, work ethic, leadership on either side of the ball and uh, votes them the for both on and off the field for to earn that number 18 jersey. And um, he was voted that number 18 guy. So you're getting a guy with high character, high work ethic. Um, I think that raises the floor of him as a selection as well. So a guy who's very well, uh, highly thought of in that LSU team. Yeah, you could use some leaders coming in to refresh that bunch. Um, mm -hmm. Pat Sertan, you know, let's look at the last two draft classes since we've, since we've done that. Where are your leaders in that group? Pat Sertan is a quiet type, leads by example. Um, but who, who's going to be your leader type moving forward? Justin Simmons is getting older. You know, I think he's pretty much uh, un, uh, unquestioned vocal leader on the team, but he is getting older. So I think that's a, that's a good shout. I did not know that about him. String guy 
uh, coming in talking about Weatherspoon, Devon Weatherspoon. He says, I live near uh, University of Illinois. Seen him several times. He's a big reason the Align ID was very good. Impressive cornerback. He will go very high in the first round. Yeah, I, String Guy, I think if uh, if you want to talk to Devon Weatherspoon, you probably want to join us Wednesday mornings on uh, Nick's, Nick and I's new Coast to Coast football pod because he'll probably go – he may go top 10. Um, top top 15, 15 for sure. Yeah. Very, uh, very good player. That's a good shout. Yeah, he'll, he'll be my – I'm guessing I'll be my cornerback too, um, because he doesn't have the size and length that I'm looking for, for a pure boundary corner, but man, he's the number one cornerback in terms of tenacity and the, uh, the all bark team. And that guy, he likes to jaw, you know, we, uh, we look at those stats and, and is, is he like a Roger McCreary plus Roger McCreary was out of Auburn had, uh, you know, dinosaur arms, really short arms. He's bigger, very good player this year. He's a yeah. good player. Now, do I go that high based on the measurables? Um, he's, so good in other aspects of the game that you're willing to overlook some of the um, some of the minuses. Seems like we're saying that about a lot of players in this draft, Nick. Yeah, it's a it's a fine draft class, but it's definitely not a special draft class, especially after you drop off Will Anderson and Jalen Carter in the top quarterbacks. Uh, but we'll see. I think the comp that I've heard tossed around with him, and I think even Daniel Jeremiah mentioned it when he mocked him number six overall. Uh, was Jair Alexander, probably one of the more twitched up cornerbacks in football, a little bit smaller, but can play inside outside and just super explosive. Uh, that's who I see when I see Witherspoon as well. Um, DWI guys coming in at 50 pounds. Thank you so much. Uh, saying a cornerback I like last year was Cam Taylor Britton. He balled yesterday. Great show, Jensen Broncos country. I think I'm, he was my, I mocked him to the Broncos in my f- one and only mock draft last season to the Broncos at pick 64. He ended up going pick 60, have it on pretty good Nebraska? authority. From Nebraska, yeah, yeah okay. very I, physical. I, I remember him. I didn't, I didn't scout him nearly as much as you did. I was a big fan, um, but I remember you like holding your nose and making that pick because he's a Cornhusker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, good players are good players, and once they, he can graduate, evolve beyond the, uh, the shuck, if you will, beyond the shell. Uh, D, thank you so much, Ethan, coming in. Fifty pounds. That means a lot for us, and uh, we're gonna wrap it on up here. Obviously. Keep covering the coaching surf. The big news that coming out here, Sean Payton's going to interview with the Broncos on Wednesday. So we'll see for that second interview. We'll see if it goes beyond that. And uh, God, we're all just waiting for this coaching search to end so that way we can move on to better and brighter things. Good weekend of football as well. Uh, we'll see what happens with everybody. You know, go Bengals, who dad or who day, whatever they say. It's who day. Who dads are it, a little south of there. Yeah. <laughs> Much. Although Cincinnati is kind of south, uh, Ohio drips down a bit. Um, but, uh, Maybe not for you, but for me, South up here, Ohio, not yeah, <laughs> they're Kentucky they're essentially. The who days, the who days are in Cincinnati, <clears throat> the the who dats are in New Orleans. Yeah, heck of a team. And uh, real quick, Scott, I just want to put you on the uh, the spotlight or a spot here. So we had the Bengals offensive line absolutely take it to the Bills in this game. Now, I know it was a snow game, and you can kind of throw out some of the tape sometimes when the fields are like that because the traction, the footing is weird, but. Bengals defense took it to the Bills team that we saw in the Broncos against preseason. They just beat the absolute hell out of the Broncos. Deep, strong, versatile defensive line. The Bengals did that with three backup offensive linemen. Is there any lesson that we can take from this from the what the Bengals did this week to and apply it to the Broncos and just team building in general? Because that was not a lot of first round picks or highly invested guys, but as a unit, they played great and the system was great and the quarterback helped the ball. I think Joe Burrow had the I read a stat. It was like one of the quickest time to release um, that we've seen in the playoffs in like five years. The lesson there, and Tony Romo brought it up several times, is how do you protect young offensive linemen? What would they rather do? 
Pass block or run block? Run block. Run block. So how do you protect them? They These guys made it in the NFL because they were good offensive linemen at some point in their career. And you protect young offensive linemen by just going right at somebody. Just going right at them. And the Bengals did. And the, the conditions helped. <clears throat> you know, the conditions help with that. So play into the strengths. And then if you've got them off balance in the least – you got Joe Burrow, you got Jamar Chase, you got T Higgins, and you've got all those guys. But the base of that offense to get started was just run it right at them, um, which is, you know, I, we talk about scheme, shmeem, inside zone, outside zone, all this kind of stuff. And I just, I, I chuck it out the window. And the reason why is because I want to break it down to basics. And the basics are, if I cannot win at the point of attack, I cannot win. The Broncos have been getting beat at the point of attack. Period. Reisner has gotten beat at the point of attack. Cushenberry at the point of attack. Glasgow, better but not good enough. He 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 can't get out of, you know, he can't get to the point of attack. Mm-hmm. That's three of your five right up the gut. Those should be fairly easy to improve on and keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple. Run it right down their damn throats. Run it right at them and then work off of that. Now, again, the Bengals are a far cry from most teams because the things that they can do on the perimeter. But how do you protect a young offensive line? How do you protect an experienced offensive line? Run the damn ball. Yep. You are 100% correct in that. Running the ball, uh, for sure. I would add to this, and you did hint in it a bit, is that the personnel on the boundary helps a lot uh, because what's going to happen things out and it out. empties things out too uh, against two high safety shells, mm-hmm. which the bills did this year a lot, which I agree with is the way to go. Uh, but that means that you have to sometimes flex a little bit with the personnel up front. So again, just some of the bigger questions that we have out here at best. Uh, what can we take home from what we're learning from these teams running the footballs back for sure. Uh, it's never really went away, but now that the, Cover three uh, defenses have gone away a bit where you have way more bodies uh, in run fits in the box. How do you beat teams out of these cover two shells? It is. Yep. It's cyclical. What never goes out, what never goes out of style is big and fast. Yep. And uh, winning your matchup. So (laughs) that's a, comes down to that in the end, but absolutely. Trenches, trenches, trenches. I text that to Nick yesterday as I was watching, you know, Cincinnati win in the trenches against Buffalo. You know, you they they both have weapons. You got Stefan Diggs, you got Jamar Chase, you got Josh Allen, you got Joe Burrow. Where was that game decided? You know, the, the, the priests like to say coaching, coaching, coaching. For us, it's trenches, trenches, trenches. If you yeah. win in the trenches, everything else becomes a lot easier. With the caveat that uh, if you have guys in the perimeter, it can make your job in the trenches a lot easier. Um, and we're going to f- find that it's- out. There's synergy there. Yeah, 100%. And we're going to find that out this week with the trenches of the Eagles, much better on the defensive line and the offensive line uh, than I guess the 49ers defensive line is incredible too. I'm talking about the Eagles defensive line versus the 49ers offensive line. But how much easier is that job for that offensive line going to be that you have Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, because of the type of defenses, how you dictate defenses and the spacing there. So love it, man. It's football is so great. Uh, it's the ultimate team game, the ultimate chess match. In the end, it is about winning your matchup, doing your damn job. But uh, everything that goes in there is beautiful. It's so much fun to watch. And we appreciate you guys coming in and letting Scott and I, you know, just kind of talk through some of this. Uh, it's always fun to get into the peel back that onion and figure out, okay, we saw what happened. Why did it happen? What are the greater and uh, bigger implications for how things played out? So appreciate you guys so much. 
Um, make sure you guys are following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott, <laughs> Scott, can you? <laughs> 70. Do you guys see Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I love the end. At the end, he's like, ask us the sex question. <laughs> um that's how i feel like this 70 70 sacks 70 that's insane. can you even yeah. imagine watching a team that got 70 sacks on a daily basis no no wow. yeah 100%. what did the, the broncos finish this year 30 it fell off a cliff after they traded chubb and then yeah, they lost I mean, maybe you know the, the i watched we watched the falcons and the broncos every game nick and i falcons had 21 that's up from 18 the year before. The Broncos, you have to look it up, but it's probably in the mid-30s, maybe. Maybe combined, you're you're knocking on the door of half. <laughs> 70 sacks. Where was Vic Fangio this year? Collecting his Broncos severance, and he was a defensive cult consultant for the Philadelphia Eagles. Good gig if you can get it. Um, appreciate you guys so much. You have a great Easter Monday. Make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also follow us at BFB underscore pod and at Mile High Huddle. If you haven't done so yet, join us at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle pod. We still got a lot of viewers in here. Click the thumbs up on the way out the door. Hopefully we earned it from you guys. We appreciate Jeff. Follow us on Facebook, like I said, and subscribe, like, and share over on YouTube. Uh, click those thumbs up on there. Hit that bell so that way you know when we go live. And, uh, yeah, you guys have a great issue money. Any thoughts on before we get on out of here, Scott? Anything you want to end on? No, we'll see your uh, football priest tonight at six central. Zach and uh, and Chad will be back, and Nick and I'll be back tomorrow. Hopefully, you get some some more news leaking out. And uh, again, it was a little quiet the last four days, but still plenty to talk about, of course. So appreciate everybody being here. Love you guys. Yeah, you guys have a great one. Continue to choose kindness and compassion, and as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.